morning from Toronto and good afternoon from Delhi and Milano. We are here together on another episode of Design to Connect. For those listeners that are very interested in looking at architecture from a different lens, I promise you that this conversation is going to be a very interesting one as we will be connecting with three inspiring women that collaborated together along with the other co-workers to make Social Design Collaborative Initiative happen. Welcome Anushka, Nishta, and Swati that will be joining us after. Uh, so for the ones who are not seeing us and are just listening to us, uh, we have Anushka and Nishta here with us now. Uh, and Swati will join us later, as Adil said. Uh, so hi, girls. Uh, how are you doing today? And can you tell us uh, where are you based on, based in? And like, where are you connecting with you now? Yeah, so hi. Hi, everyone. Uh, so I'm Nishtha. Uh, uh, we are, I'm, I'm from Delhi only. Uh, and like we are, our practice also based in Delhi. And uh, yeah, I am Anushka. I am sort of based between the transition of, like I'm transitioning between Mumbai and Delhi. Uh, I live in Delhi. Uh, I live in Mumbai, but sort of practicing in Delhi. And uh, both of us are architects uh, by profession. Yeah. And uh, we are being, we have been working here since almost a year now at Social Design Collaborative, uh, which is again a practice based out of Delhi. Yeah. Okay. This episode is so exciting because we are all girls, so I'm I'm really excited and uh, really great to meet you both. Uh, so we will start with uh, introducing the both of you. So I'll go with uh, Anushka. Uh, Anushka, you are an architect, uh, urban researcher uh, at Social Design Collaborative, as well as uh, the founder of Amchi. Am I saying it correct? Okay, uh, which is uh, a mentoring design and research platform centered around embedding culture and critical thinking within architecture. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. And hello, Nishta. Uh, you are an architect as well that's based in Delhi and graduated at the University School of Architecture and Planning. You've been yeah. working with the Social Design Collaborative team for over a year. And most of your projects that you worked on were to improve the built environment and the lives of marginalized communities in Indian cities. So welcome, and we're so glad to have both of you on our conversation today. Yeah. Yeah, like so, um, to give you a heads up of the, this episode's dynamic, uh, me, Arizu and I designed specific questions that we're gonna be asking you, uh, targeted towards either one of you or the both, uh, based on the inspiration that we, we got inspired based on your biographies. So are you ready? Yeah. Okay. So our first question today is that we were thinking that we would like to know more about your journey. You know, tell us more about the choice of your educational route and how it, we, you feel that it's shaping your career or you're sh it's shaping you as a person today. Uh, we've been noticing that, you know, when we listen to people's uh, journeys and reasonings from some of the choices that, you know, they took in life, it gives us an understanding that really there's no linear way in doing something. Uh, everyone has a completely different uh, perspective for doing, doing uh, a certain choice in life, and it helps us a lot to learn from others' journeys. So considering that you both started um, working and doing meaningful work can you please 
share with us how it all started and give us some inspiration here. <laughs> Do you want to go first? Yeah, yes. I, so I can start. So, I mean, uh, like, I actually uh, never thought that I want to do, like, architecture for any particular reason. But I, when I started, like, you know, studying architecture, you know, when I was in, like, the, the those five years of my graduation, studying architecture, exploring things, uh, you know, that whole process, I realized a lot of things, like, you know, if I share a very personal sort of, a, uh, you know, experience, it, it's it's like, you know, I've seen uh, students, you know, my batchmates and, you know, different stu architecture students around me, you know, always designing some sort of a fancy things and, you know, like some nice designs, they are good designs, but like, for me, it was always like, you know, for me, it was always important to, uh, you know, design something a, a design solution which is you know solving something you know it's a, it's a pro, it's a problem solving solution you know it's 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 a cost cost based sort of a solution so my inclination you know was always towards towards that you know i want to create something i want to you know give a solution design solution to a problem which you know actually helps someone you know that sort of a thing that that sort of an inclination you know developed uh, with time you know the as more like you know I uh, I was trying to yeah when I was sort of figuring out so you know by the time my uh, graduation was like you know uh, near completion I sort of developed this you know thing that I want okay I want to do something you know more meaningful meaningful for me so that is why you know uh, that, that is when you know all this ideology you know started building inside me like you know that I feel like you know architects can actually make a lot of difference you know they can actually uh, do a lot of things that you that that can you know uh, bring a positive change around us you know in our society so um, that has always you know like gave uh, given me a direction you know to you know move ahead so uh, for me that was really important and you know that's why you know uh, the work that we are doing is you know very uh, sort of personal to me so that's why uh, so where that's all where it came from basically for me thank you, thank you uh, sure. i mean uh, for me it was uh, sort of um, I think more or less on the same lines. Uh, mm -hmm. I was actually born in Ulhasnagar, uh, which is like a refuge. Um, uh, uh, it's, it, it was actually a refuge uh, colony uh, built for the Sindh refugees uh, post the partition of Pakistan and India in 1947. So, I mean, my ancestors came uh, and sort of settled in Ulhasnagar. And I mean, the city was sort of you know, located beyond, uh, you know, the, the uh, conglomeration of Mumbai, you know, it was in the, in the outskirts because it was considered that, you know, these are people who are outsiders and, you know, so, sort of are a threat to us. So, you know, the approach to, I, I mean, we, we were Hindus, but, you know, we were on the other side of the line. I mean, as a result, after the partition, it became a very fuzzy, like, where do you draw the line? Because we are Hindus, but we were residing on the other side of the country, but now that's become a separate country, a separate entity. Mm -hmm. And uh, while growing up, uh, you know, um, I almost experienced a very community life because we were a very small mi you know, minority. And for us, living together was our, you know, our strength because even mm -hmm. like more than they, we were also scared about, you know, what's going to happen to us because 
uh, we almost left everything there and came to start out from scratch. We almost didn't have anything. Our land was gone, our culture was gone, our occupation was gone, right? And um, since like living in Ulhasnagar, Ulhasnagar is also considered to be one of, you know, the largest, um, most densely, densely populated cities, you know? And uh, it's like, you know, the people have built the city by themselves. It's not like the state built it for them or funded in any way, like it was like given in terms of mere plots and the plots were sort of being developed and charted out by the people themselves. So uh, like I experienced a sense of community living, the sense of living together, like the entire city was like my, you know, my own relative, like my own sort of people, you know. And while sort of studying architecture, uh, it inherently became, you know, my, my way of thinking because it was so important for me to think about what's happening around me, what's happening with the people around me. Like, the, the the building became almost not so important for me, but you know how how I think about like the relationship between the environment and the people was a very immediate sort of you know lens for me to think about, and that also sort of you know led me to start my own initiative, Amchi. That sort of started as at a student when I was studying architecture. It became like okay, very important for me to think about my own neighborhood where I was living. And then that sort of, you know, I, I mean, I felt that this was, there was certainly that I also wanted to learn from my, my peers, my more experience, you know, dealing with communal issues and issues of the community. And that sort of led me to, you know, work at Social Design Collaborative and sort of, you know, look at more, you know, urban specific issues or look at more like broader issues that could be, you know, uh, not only solved through architecture, but, you know, a sort of a very sensitive approach to advocacy maybe or through, you know, mm -hmm. art or, mm -hmm. you know, like architecture becomes a very small component of, yeah. of, yeah. of, of that. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, thank you. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> uh, no, I just, I'm just going to say something very quickly because I, I want to applaud you for like, you know, like, thank you for sharing, first of all, both of you, your stories. And I think uh, as I was, we were mentioning offline, that it's very unfortunate, like when we live all around the world, we don't know much what's happening in different areas around, you know, and today you gave us, you know, an insightful information of what might be happening you know, with your life somewhere that I would have never known what would have, what would have been happening in India. And you, we, those are an interesting point to why it's important to connect with people from different worlds for us to be aware and mindful of what's happening around us in the world, you know? So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, one thing that was interesting for me is that you said about architecture becoming a smaller part of like the whole picture yeah. like architecture becomes a tool not the, the main goal like you don't yeah. i don't know try to work towards being an architect but you work towards having an impact and architecture will become a part of like a tool for this impact so uh i think that was really interesting and uh thank you for uh talking about armchain because the next question that i want to uh ask is about the sorry Anushka is about that um I saw the name you know <laughs> under your faces and I went directly to Anushka. so uh yeah uh I wanted to uh, ask you about uh, the importance of questioning and critical thinking when it comes to architecture because I think uh we are in a culture that maybe doesn't encourage so much critical thinking or questioning in general, like we are very sticked to our current ways of doing things, especially 
architecture. Like there's a very linear approach towards architecture and that's the, the, the main way that we see it. So I wanted to ask you, why did you put critical thinking as one of the central elements uh, in, in Armchi in your platform? And uh, why do you think it is really important for us, especially in this day and age, to have a critical thinking in architecture? Thank you. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think like not just critical, you have to be thinking because I think building is so political, right? And uh, I mean, this also sort of comes in uh, through my own sort of experience. Like, uh, I mean, when I was sort of talking about Ulhasnagar, when, uh, you know, we were living in Ulhasnagar, uh, my, my grandparents loved it there because, you know, literally they knew everyone. Everyone knew everyone. It's like you step out of the house, you have a person calling you and that's, you know, your relative asking you for, you know, maybe some chutney or some papar, like, like or some food that they need you don't have it so then you ask them it's like sort of you know like almost exchanging not only commodities but also you know your stories your your grief your happiness everything right and uh, for my father it was always about you know uh, sort of like I mean, the city is also considered to be like a civic shame, you know, because it's so populated, it's so packed, the roads are not, you know, the roads are not wide enough. So we, we moved to an immediate suburb, right, uh, because, you know, it had like better living condition, it had, you know, better amenities, but, but I think for, for, I mean, that, that led to, you know, me to think that why was it that my grandparents, when we moved to, you know, a better place, why did they still, you know, want always wanted to go back. So, so I mean, I feel that it was like the social like the social susceptibility of the city that, you know, led the city to be a, like Ulhasnagar, if you, if you like translate, it means like Ulhas means happy and Nagar means city. So, I mean, it's almost in contradictory to the form of the city, but you know, the name is sort of very like happy. And that's like, because of the people, because of the connections that that's what sort of makes you know, the city. And when we talk about like city planning, city making and our smart city proposals, they completely ignore that sense of, you know, how people operate within the city. How do people use the city? How does one, you know, how does the city function? How, do, how does an environment shape us, you know? Those kind of like memory, that loss sort of nostalgia is, is almost disappearing in more and more sort of planned environments, right? So, I mean, that was sort of, that that led to, you know, for me to think beyond what was already taught to us in, in like in architectures college, like in architecture school, like, okay, we've been taught to, you know, design something, but why was designing so important? Because, I mean, does, or, I mean, for me, it was almost like, do we even need to design something? Because, you know, sometimes people design their own things and they are like, you know, working in so much better capacity as, you know, as we we, we, we can imagine. Mm -hmm. So I think like those sort of instances uh, led me to think more critically or, I mean, just put it in that sense, like led me to think beyond what was already taught to us. And I mean, and that sense of, uh, that sense of critical thinking is also something that we practice in our own sort of practice here right now is, uh, I mean, because we work with uh, communities that are, you know, very, very precarious, uh, mm. you know, uh, most of them live on the threats of evictions, you know, mm. displacement. So, I mean, I, I think uh, operating, uh, you know, with them, uh, uh, critical thinking becomes like a, a, an apparatus because if you're not thinking about you know, their life, or you're not thinking about the precarity, mm -hmm. they're almost, 
you know, ignoring that, uh, I mean, how can you operate if you don't sort of understand their local mm. condition or understand how they're operating or understand, you know, their everyday precarity. Mm. And uh, I mean, I'll just uh, there I want to give you an example of, you know, what I'm trying to also, you know, say is that uh, we're currently working on a project um, in, in uh, Yamuna. Yamuna is uh, a river in Delhi, uh, which sort of cuts through um, uh, the, the entire city. And uh, farming is, you know, uh, predominantly being practiced there uh, ever since the independence, uh, you know. And uh, recently, uh, the farmers have been evicted there, um, being sort of as pollutants of the river. And, and that's not the case because, you know, they're living, they're almost living with the river, they're taking care of the river, they're growing yeah. with the river, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's like, anti-development sort of uh, an idea because uh, the, the development in in uh, quote unquote it means that you know world-class city where you know have large golf uh, sort of you know areas and mm -hmm. big big grounds and parks and stuff like that and that's not really how the image that they want to portray of the capital of India like you know it's farming is happening in the city that's something so bad you know and uh, there when we sort of you know uh, planning out the bottom-up land uses uh, we had to name Oh no, I think we lost uh, the connection. Yeah. Oh, oh okay. Sorry, okay, you're back. Okay, we can you're carry back. on. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, uh, so I mean, uh, the project sort of revolved around, uh, you know, mapping the bottom, uh, like, you know, existences and the bottom up, uh, like, it was all about like, what exists on ground is yeah. what we had to map. Mm -hmm. And we had to locate, you know, the busties, which are not being showed up in the development plans and master plans. And then, you know, the naming of those busties became so important for us, because, you know, we couldn't name a person, we couldn't name an entity, because that's, that's going to come out, you know, it's it, maybe they can evict them very easily, or maybe they can catch hold of them very easily. So, you know, naming those busties, and it's also related to a lot of power, like some people want to show assert their sense of power that we belong on this land, and you know, we have to name the land on our name. So it was this constant negotiation between, you know, what to call it, what people know, and is it is it like really safe to put it out there, you know? So, I mean, there you have to have that sense of thinking because that's how you're operating. Otherwise, you know, you're dismantling the existing system, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I think like that sort of, um, yeah, that's what I sort of wanted to bring out with critical thinking. Thank you. Thank you so much. And it's, it's crazy that uh, like all, mostly all the ideas of, I don't know, modernism, is exactly against what brings well-being for the society in general and we we are so stick to it and we are so scared of like being not called modern or civilized that we put the well-being of people in in danger or well-being of our society so we critical thinking i think is really important when it comes to an issue like that so thank you so much and a lot of people also um, would assume that, you know, once you start thinking about those little details, that it's a waste of time. And then it's rather than just get to the solution right away, that mm -hmm. we avoid that those little details are really what's going to be giving us the sustainable solution at the end of the day, right? Because you you talk, you talk understand the foundational problem and you built up 
to a solution towards it. And I always question to, you know, like, is this something that we need to reconstruct our social and cultural values and teach people, you know, what it means to, yeah. uh, to, to have critical thinking before we start implementing it? Um, and yeah, I, I guess I, I will leave that to another question because it kind of relates to uh, the power dynamics and like marginalized communities. So we'll keep the listeners entertained till then. <laughs> but we'll move forward with uh, Nishta. Uh, I'm, am I pronouncing your name correctly? Nishta, yeah. Nishta, sorry, apologies for that. So Nishta. <laughs> um, my question to you is that, um, most of the time, especially when it comes to social change, we always associate or we want to blame, um, as, as architects, of course, uh, we want to blame the responsibilities on policymakers or anyone but us, right? Even though I personally think that we are very aware of the responsibilities um, that we carry. And for that, I wanted to ask you, um, do you think that we have and should have the social responsibility to bring positive change? And why do you think we have to voice um, and that our actions actually lead to something? Um, and if you can also share ideas from your experience on how one can start, because um, Anushka also brought up a, a point when she was talking about critical thinking, that I feel that there's always a conflict between what architects, you know, what they can do, what they, the, the, the way that they see things from different lands versus when policymakers and, you know, like the, the power dynamics come and take control over your ideas. So please yeah. go ahead. Yeah. So, you know, I think uh, the best sort of scenario is when, you know, you're working together, like, you know, the different stakeholders, like the different uh, sort of people like you know the policymakers, uh, the architects you know the maybe act social activists when you know different uh, people from you know different realms different expertise when you know come together you know collaborate think together I think that is when you know the best sort of solution uh, can come come in and, and I think yes definitely you know architects bear the social responsibility because you know a lot of uh, you know built phenomena like shaping around us you know that is that the, the architects play a very important role in you know that's that sort of thing like you you take suppose like you know urban uh, urban development or you know city planning you know all the authorities that are doing uh, you know these sort of things that they have a team of architects they have a team of you know with policymakers and you know with activists and all those things uh, and all those people so I think the best is when you know when you're working for, you know in collaboration when you know working together understanding you know people understanding you know different sort of angles uh, you know from people who are experts in different sort of realms different sort of fields so I think uh, that is like uh, the best uh, you know scenario but I just I, I feel like I think you know architects have, have a lot of power you know they can they, they, they can actually do a lot of things they, they, they can uh, like suppose like I'll, mm, I, I want to give you you know the sort of example like what we are doing here like as an architect how we are trying to sort of you know do this thing so like the example that uh, the project that Anushka was also talking about uh, you know the river Yamuna so uh, the project uh, so it, it's a research project that you know we have been working on since a very long time like it's been like you know uh, two three years that we've been working on that so it's, it's basically like you know, we are questioning the government we are sort of trying to build up a case uh, 
where we are uh, we are asking them or you know saying telling them that you know uh, you want to build parks you want to beautify the whole area but also look at you know the existing scenario like there are so many people living there you know you are just evicting them but where will they go you know it's it's also you know responsibility it's our responsibility it's it's, it's government's responsibility you know to sort of look at you know uh, where will they go what it, it you're not just making them homeless you're also you know leaving them without any work like their livelihoods are also getting affected by this whole uh, you know uh, this their plan this sort of plan of beautifying the area beautifying the river so we we are trying to say that okay fine just okay fine if you want to you know sort of do this also think of the people why it all why it all uh, it should uh, why it has to be you know parks versus farms it when mm-hmm. it can also when it can be parks and farms so you know that is the problem solving design solution that we can come up with so that is the you know sort of narrative that we are you know trying to give to them we are you know building up on this line so that's where i thought you know the city planning the urban development these sort of things you know that architects can think architects can come with these sort of solutions so you know uh, so this this is something which is possible this is something which is which can be done but you know you have to be very sensitive towards these issues you you actually need to understand that this is something which is very important you know the livelihoods the life of people you know just because they are from marginalized communities doesn't mean that they don't have rights that they don't have housing rights or land rights they do they are citizens of the country you know they do have all these rights so you know the you know it's important to think on these lines and similarly like uh, if i talk about another project that we worked on a uh, few months back so it was on a master plan of uh, delhi so uh, so and every like 20 years we develop uh, like uh, the government uh, government authority which is delhi development authority they uh, make a new master plan uh, uh, which is like the city planning so the, they plan the whole city design like the, the like you know where with the commercial areas will be where will be the you know industrial areas that sort of thing so you know when they are designing the the city when they are you know coming up with the master plan so they uh, they don't you know usually um, engage with people engage with the communities engage with you know uh, what people want it's their city you know they have the right to say what they want so uh, for this whole uh, you know idea for this whole thing to make this city planning more you know participatory you know so we came up with a map based toolkit where we sort of you know uh, deconstructed the master plan so master plan uh, is a 400 page document which is not even in uh, any other language like not even in hindi you know so that people can sort of understand and relate it's only in english and it's a very tedious and difficult sort of a document so we sort of you know try to uh, convert it into an interactive playful sort of a game uh, Uh, you know uh, map based game so uh, we uh, took that kit and we, we you know we sort of like uh, went to a lot of communities in delhi and uh, we uh, you know tried to uh, explain people you know what master plan is why it is important you know so like we have different different sort of uh, small small activities for different different chapters in uh, master plan like you know activity on housing activity on transport system of the whole city activity on you know related to life livelihood or social infrastructure so we 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 sort of you know deconstructed all these difficult difficult chapters into small small you know activities so that actually you know issues can come up from the communities you know like what they want you know what can be done what can be improved in the city 
so um and I, it actually resulted you know uh, it came out really well you know, like we got a very nice feedback on the whole process and people actually uh, did participated a lot and um, we actually got more than 20000 you know suggestions and uh, you know objections which we could file to the government um so mm-hmm. that you know they can uh, implement those uh, suggestions in the master plan you know so that uh, the so in this way like you know we sort of tried to make the whole process of city planning you know a bit more participatory and engaging you know we took it to the communities which are you know marginalized and lower in, belong to a lower income group which are most most of these communities are you know left from the planning decisions of the city so you know they don't have a voice so we sort of tried to do that and uh, you know yeah that so we uh, this whole project was in collaboration with a lot of you know society organizations in delhi like uh, around 40 organizations in delhi uh, so they we all collaborated and you know gave feedback to each other and our team designed the toolkit we did a lot of pilot uh, in different different uh, you know uh, communities and sort of came up with the better solutions and you know this sort of thing so i think that was our role in the whole architects role in the whole you know this sort of a thing so i mean yeah so that really is important and fulfilling in that sense you speak with so much passion i hope you know that yeah. like so much <laughs> <laughs> like i i love it and i think this is like thank you it just inspired my morning more and more and you know i i i I appreciate the initiatives that you're making because this is the only way that you can uh give people some sense of dignity to feel that they're participant of the life that they're living right yeah. unfortunately especially like in marginalized communities people are so unaware of their rights or they're so unaware of you know how the the living conditions or like the city or like the space that they live in how they can contribute to it and with you teaching them these things or like making them Uh, understand the concepts behind how things are designed they will feel uh more at power to design their own lives right so i think this is very important but you know uh, an- another thing that you also uh part of the things that you were mentioning and made me even question more and more is you know the idea of this whole collaboration and us understanding that we can be beneficial in different professions and industries by giving our opinions and i always wonder it's because you know this is the, there is this lack to, there is this lack of uh um awareness in our educational system so once you graduate not only architects but all other professions that you're working with are unaware that you know the architects can do that can do things for the social well-being of the area that they live in because we were not taught these things in school so um, i wonder yeah. whether this is something that creates more conflict or disconnect between uh between us architects and other professions because they also think that that's what architecture is only supposed to do and the more and more that we're getting you know like now we're 2022 technology took over a lot of things took over um the definition of the arc of what architecture is is shifting and yeah. is this creating more damage or you know yeah. i don't know just all these rumbling in my head <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I, i think another interesting thing is that like 
okay in in a school but also in the professional life we we think so much about the problem solving uh, like ability in the architects or also their their communication skills but so much of both of these two uh, skills are used for branding or for selling your ideas but we never think that these two skills how much they can help the the community actually like with your communication yeah. skills you are able yeah. to build trust with the communities and understand what is it that they really want and also with the problem solving skill instead of i don't know using it to i don't know solve the idea of okay how can i make this building the most beautiful possible not that that is not important but maybe it can be used also for i don't know more more important things and i don't know sometimes when i think i really think that architects are really the missing link between the policy making and action because also in europe it happens a lot that people like also europe europe as general they plan a lot they make a lot of regulation but everything stays there you know and it doesn't go to action and the problem is that policymakers don't let architects and designers and artists you know who, who are the let's say action makers I don't know, uh, to to be a part of this whole process so uh i think that's that's really also important thank you so much to to both of you for for all the points that you brought up and um, really it felt so great to connect with you both and uh, learn from both of you because especially because you're young and not that okay we are not discriminative towards age <laughs> but it's, it's good to to have people in our own age uh, and and see what they're doing because most of our listeners also are are the ones who are in our own age and they're trying to figure out how to be more uh, yeah have a positive impact in the society so thank you so much for being here and uh, hope you have a great night, right? Great night ahead of you. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we will take a break and then uh, we will uh, have a talk with Swati, the founder of Social Design Collaborative. But if you have any uh, last words, anything that you want to say before leaving, we would love yeah. to hear that. Uh, I mean, I just wanted to sort of reflect on the last thread where you were talking about, you know, the absence of, uh, you know, architects taking the, the sort of the role to sort of push forward. I think that's also because of the lack of academia. I mean, I mean, when you look at academia, it's sort of, you know, we still, at least in India, sort of the course per se is sort of, you know, uh, approach to the realms of, you know, uh, a draft a draftsman course where you know mm -hmm. the drawing is given so much importance yeah. in terms of like how you draw how your line weights are how mm -hmm. you know you sort of create architecture that's good looking that's you know a solid infrastructure that we often sort of uh, you know do not sort of pay any focus on you know how it will actually get implemented like what are the laws mm -hmm. what how would it actually occur to, you know, uh, a people? I mean, say for instance, if you're designing a space that is going to cater to 500 people versus a space that's going to cater to 100 people, you know, mm -hmm. that sense of scale, that sense of, you know, rational, that sense of reality, we are so far away from it because mm -hmm. often we are stuck with the facade or, you know, mm -hmm. 
the, the, the position of the toilet, you know, mm-hmm. how it's going to look from the outside. You're so sort of, you know, taken away from like that, that, that sense of design, okay? Because we're architects, we can make beautiful buildings. I think uh, it's, it's almost like, you know, in, in today's sort of environment, it's, it's like, I think our course is also very political and we cannot afford to, you know, not have an opinion because uh, mm. we say it or not, we are sort of, you know, shaping the environment and our environments are also shaping us, not as only, you know, uh, products, I mean, product, not in terms of just producing the buildings, but also someone who's inhabiting them, right? We're also sort of people who are living in these spaces. Mm. So I think I, we often forget that. Yeah. yeah. I, I, sorry, so, so sorry to, please carry on. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I also feel like that the sense of so much importance that we have so much power, it's not like we are someone with extraordinary skills. It's just that we have that imagination that we can sort of, you know, equip more and more, more people with. So I think it's it's time about like, like Mishra said, think with people, think, because it's not something I think not so powerful. It's just that, you know, that sense of seeing has to go beyond, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And not only that, sorry, I I, I want to, uh, even though we said we're going to like, uh, <laughs> we came towards this end of seg- our segment, but I think it's very important to uh, uh, also include that, that I think we need to reshift our thinking about what beautiful means, right? This is a social and cultural thing that not only in, in architecture and in life, we always, we always identify beauty with the outer appearance and we forget about what the inner, uh, what the inner uh, beauty is, uh, whether we're describing a person, but also if we're describing architecture, why do we need to use beautiful uh, to describe a building when it's, this is such a subjective uh, thing yeah. and you know when something is so meaningful functional uh p- providing so much care it's not beautiful this is beautiful by itself you know um so i think we really need to uh re-identify what beauty means in our industry for sure so that way beautiful equal action doesn't have to be something grand grand whatever that word is like grandicious or something <laughs> okay sorry <laughs> And uh, Nishta, any final words from you? No, I think, I mean, it's just uh, like, I think Anushka summed up uh, almost everything, like, you know, like, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that's, that's it. Thank you. If you were to take action, if you were to take action and, you know, um, start somewhere in changing because we both agreed that we're starting from the foundations, right? So that's the educational system. And not, of course, there's, there needs to be a lot of uh, changes in the social construct of like, you know, what, what families are teaching kids and stuff like that. But if we were to start from an educational level, what do you feel, where would you start in making a change? Or what would you start implementing? I mean, if you're um, talking about... Uh... Uh, I think, uh, you know, I just, I, I mean, I feel like, like what Anushka was also saying, like, you know, the architectural studies, I think they can do a lot better. They are, you know, like teaching, uh, in a just one unidirectional, you know, sort of a thing. They are not like the, the mm-hmm. teaching, uh, yeah, yeah, they are not, uh, they are not actually uh, teaching, um, you know, uh, the problems outside of a bubble, you know, like there are so many things that, you know, and I, I just feel like, you know, architecture is not 
uh, a confined box it's not a confined uh, you know sort of a um, field it, it's very vast it's huge and you know you can do so much you can you know explore so much and i just feel like you know uh, the whole education system can you know sort of uh, think more about these sort of things like you know I, what what I, i am like what i'm doing right now i think it is all you know how i explore and how i envision things but it has nothing to do with what i was taught in the whole in my whole like you know five year of like course my study so i think you know we need more uh, people you know who are you know more uh, thinking towards these sort of direction you know making you know things more like you know inclusive in every sense you know so i i just feel like you know the, the pedagogy towards you know how we are teaching you know architecture in that sense you know they can it, it can change in the you know this this the this sort of thing this, this sort of direction and i think it is it has started to some extent like you know i can see my juniors from you know my college who are sort of you know trying to do some things like you know not exactly but like they are moving towards this sort of direction where they are you know trying to figure these sort of things but i remember that like, in my time or you know my seniors so look like, at people who were you know uh, like more senior to me like uh, they 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 had a very different sort of uh, you know mindset towards you know what they are doing you know what architecture means so i mean yeah so i, I just you feel like you know these sort of things can actually come into this whole education system of you know like how you are teaching architecture how you are you know perceiving it how you are you know sort of like you know i mean just how you are sort of you know uh, uh, telling your <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You are listening to Design to Connect. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to the second part of uh, our conversation today and we have Swati here. Hello Swati, we're so happy to have you with us. Uh how are you and where are we connecting with you from? Hello, I'm here in Delhi and uh, it's nice to be talking to all of you. Thank you. Uh so before we start uh asking you a couple of questions, we want to uh, let our audience know a little bit more about you. So you are an architect, artist and a writer based in Delhi. Your work combines social justice and participatory planning. You are the founder and inter, uh, of the interdisciplinary practice Social Design Collaborative which was awarded the Beasley Design of Year 2020 in architecture. Your approach combines community engagement and grassroots activism with policy advocacy and you also teach and have written on urban issues ranging from housing rights to public spaces for City Lab, Scroll and Indian Express. This explains the energy and the excitement uh to start learning more about you uh at, which really inspires us. Um so welcome. Welcome on our channel. Thank you Adil. Uh so uh, Swati thank you so much uh for being here and welcome to to our podcast. Uh we know how busy you are so thank you so much for for giving us this time. Uh so with uh, uh your other teammates we talked about the importance of uh, critical thinking and the social responsibility that the architects have. Uh so now uh the question that we wanted to ask you uh was about Uh, the importance of seeing buildings and architecture uh, as a 
dynamic entity than uh, forcing designs that are, let's say, static. So we are so used to, as architects, uh, to have, I don't know, this celebrity figure uh, that we think that we put our creativity or our ideas somewhere and they have to stay there, uh, there you know, the same without changing, without caring about uh, what the communities want actually and how they want to change it. Uh, and so much of this can also come from our ego that we develop also in our, in the architectural schools. So uh, what we wanted to ask you, what do you think we need to change uh, in our way of thinking as architects to embrace the kind of designs that give more freedom to the to their users uh, and how they develop it over time, and uh, is it? Do you think if it's a shift in the ego, um, and that uh, considering uh, this giving this kind of power uh, gives the gives so much like capacity building within the communities. Um, and the, it can affect the healings of community and their autonomy. Do you think how can we reach uh, as architects to, to designs that are more dynamic and give more power to the communities that are built for? Um, yeah, I think I think that's a good question um, to think about uh, when it comes to the state of architecture and also the kind of work uh, that we all are doing. I think the people you're speaking to, the kind of work you yourself are interested in. Um, and I think uh, we draw a lot um, of the kind of architecture we are able to um, practice um, from the people we work with. And because we work in self-organized uh, communities, self-built neighborhoods, um, informal um, settlements um, is the technical word. Um, I think uh, that's where we've also learned the, um, the sort of merit of buildings growing with time, right? As people, you know, constantly are building them, repairing them, building them again. Of course, we recognize um, that it comes from a position of precarity, right? Because of uh, a perceived um, quote unquote illegality. Um, it comes from um, a lack of land tenure, right? And so they are in this sort of um, uh, perpetual, um, you know, uh, temporariness, perpetual ephemerality because of which people have to uh, keep building. But um, if you also think about it, uh, vernacular architecture, traditional architecture around the world is a bit like that as well. Um, it requires constant sort of upkeep and constant maintenance, you know, just like you and I, we take care of a body, uh, right? Uh, there is always repair and there is always, you know, this sort of constant work which is required. And I think um, in traditional architecture, uh, we have had that relationship with the, with the buildings that we live in. And I think on one side, maybe we can think that it has to do with the architect's ego and then, you know, maybe you want to design everything and it's kind of seen as a sculpture um, you know, sort of a thing. But I think it also has to do with um, how architecture has changed over time. It has to do with the building technologies, with the building materials and also, uh, you know, um, industrialization. So in this post-industrial world, the kind of materials that we use um, are um, such that give you an idea of, um, uh, of permanence, right? So we use uh, metal, we use concrete, uh, but at the same time, I think the more um, um, local traditional sort of materials like stone, like, um, like bamboo, like mud, I think they are timeless in a way. I mean, they might not be 
permanent, but I think they're more permanent if you think about how one is able to keep working with them, keep adding to them, right? So if you have a traditional house, you will um, like built in wood or even, you know, built in mud or, or and, uh, and bamboo, you will see that it's been there for 100 years. I mean, that's very common. It's just that, you know, like every every few weeks, every few months, there is a there is a process of repair, which is required a process of adding to it. And then when it comes to concrete buildings, um, how long do they last? 40 years, 50 years? That's it. So I think it really depends on how we look at um, um, architecture and also the sort of narrative of development that we have built, right? Which is that um, um, if you're building a concrete house, um, if you're living in a concrete house, that is seen as developed. And I also realized that when I say this, I myself live in a concrete house. So it's also easy to say it. And, you know, uh, will I really live in a mud house? Um, you know, which doesn't have all the sort of conveniences and the, um, uh, you know, the, the indicators of consumption that a concrete house has. But I guess what I'm trying to get to is that there is a certain hybrid perhaps that we need to work towards, uh, which where we can use these local materials, where we have this sort of constant, you know, process of building and repair and maintenance. And at the same time, it is sustainable, it is affordable. And I think somewhere we have moved away from that. And in working with the uh, uh, or, uh, with, uh, individuals living in informal settlements and working with underrepresented groups, I feel we are getting closer to also a more sustainable way of building, which traditional architecture has taught us. And that's why we realized over time that um, architecture is not a fixed, uh, you know, sort of a rigid um, entity or anything that we build is not something that is built and that's it, it's done. Um, it's something which changes with time. It's something which does require constant effort and um, and I think there we have been really lucky, really fortunate to have uh, uh, good partners that we work with who are very rooted, embedded uh, in the work that they do in the communities uh, that they work in and um, the sort of relationship they have with the space, if it's a school or a daycare center, is a sort of a constant ongoing one. And um, yeah, I think this is this is where we are today. And if you speak to me a few years later, I'm sure I would have been able to add to that um, thought process a bit more. Thank you. Uh, this actually shows or, you know, like it makes us understand that if something was a solution five years ago, it doesn't have to be the solution five years down the road, but you can enhance on that solution, you know, based on the circumstances that you're um, or the situation uh, that we're in today. So, you know, um, we, Arizu and I both feel that architecture today, in today's world, the way that we practice it is such an isolated field. And especially when you walk into uh, our architectural offices these days, we feel that, you know, the only people that you're seeing are people that are graduated from architectural school and they're so isolated within their workstation. Uh, but in your practice, uh, you and the rest of the team try to work with people from different professions and um, hence there's like that collaboration. Um, why do you think it's very important for us to embrace this change and uh, move towards a more interdisciplinary approach when it comes to architecture? And do you think um, that it's possible to rework the structure of existing architectural offices to uh, adapt to something more collaborative? Yeah, um, I think it's very important. Uh, I think we work with uh, non-architects. Um, 
because it also teaches us not to take ourselves too seriously because I think architects take themselves, we take ourselves very seriously, right? We like to wear black and we like to have this, you know, very sort of um, cool or mysterious air about us. Um, I, I'm sure like maybe every profession has it in one way. And uh, the more we work with people from different uh, backgrounds, the more we sort of um, exit the silos that we have been working in. Uh, but it's definitely made our approach so much richer working with people who bring different skills, different understandings. So in working with human rights lawyers and working with economists, sociologists, um, activists, social workers, there is just so much unlearning uh, in the field of architecture that we have gone through and so much, of course, learning. Um, uh, when it comes to um, socioeconomic and uh, urban political realities, which perhaps architects don't look at very much. Um, I don't know how many uh, design schools, how many architectural colleges uh, are really thinking about um, the people who run the school, for instance, right? Like the service providers and their own college. Um, we, when I was studying in my college, we never thought about, oh, what, uh, what does design mean for a security guard or or a waste picker uh, who's who's actually coming to our college and we are passing, you know, them by very often, maybe interacting with them. And I think uh, these things don't really occur uh, very naturally to us. Um, questions of class, caste, gender, and I think over time, perhaps this is changing as architects uh, are also beginning to ask these questions. Uh, well, at least a younger generation. I think I have a lot of um, faith, um, faith in. And I think the reason as architectural students, we were not expected to ask these questions and architects maybe typically don't ask these questions is because um, our, I think architecture is a very elitist profession, at least as it exists today. Mm -hmm. And also who are the people who are practicing architecture um, are also people who have had access to, um, to uh, services, who have had access to design education, which a large part of my country doesn't have, a large part of uh, perhaps your countries also doesn't have. And I think the more we have underrepresented groups also getting access to architectural education, I think the more inclusive the architectural field will become and the more inclusive then our cities will become, the more inclusive our design will become if it's only upper caste men who are designing our cities, what kind of cities are we creating? What kind of public spaces are we creating? You go out and you see it's mostly occupied by men. And you know, when I say this, people are like, no, there are also women out there. And uh, I, I've been, again, very fortunate to work with them. Uh, collaborators such as uh, Chris Blash, who's an anthropologist from Paris. And uh, what she has told me is, Swati, always look for the numbers, you know, go for the data. And so what we encourage our students to do is maybe just, you know, observe a public space for an hour and just count the number of men who are sitting there, count the number of uh, women who are passing by, who are sitting there. And immediately what might seem like an inclusive sort of scenario becomes very uh, unequal. And um, so if this is the way our public spaces are, and of course it's a sort of a representation of what is also happening within the home, right? the social inequality which exists within the home in our society is manifested in our cities but I think design can pay, uh, play a huge role in that and who's designing our cities who's sitting in a planning authorities who's uh, sitting in positions of power who's uh, you know the decision maker has a lot to say in the way we design our cities in the way we design our buildings and the more diverse and more inclusive that becomes uh, the more uh, the number of women the more the number of transgender people the more the number of people from Dalit backgrounds uh, in India um uh, which is very caste-based. Uh, my, my country is very caste-based, even though you know that was abolished a long time back. But it's still very much a part of our, uh, of our of our daily lives. And so, the more the representation from different groups of people, I think, the better uh, and more inclusive design and architecture as fields as disciplines are going to be. And uh, and definitely, I think the built environment is going to be. Um, yeah. 
thank you thank you uh for that you know uh a very interesting point that you said is because this is a challenge that i i ask myself so much about is that because we are seeing some some kind of a change right like some companies or some cities or some areas are going to uh, for a more uh, uh, inclusive approach. I don't know how genuine that approach is, but at least they're trying, right? Mm -hmm. and, and and that's what bothers me is that when you start point, pinpointing those uh, negative things or the things that we need to change, uh, a lot of the scenarios that you hear back or the reply or the feedback is that, oh, we're already changing. But even if we are already starting to adapt to a change, doesn't mean that we just have to stop there. You know, like there's still problems with the approaches of how we're approaching inclusivity or, you know, like uh, gender neutral or all those issues that our city are facing. Um, so thank you for sharing your uh, perspective on that. Really. Yeah, and I think it makes a, makes a lot of difference if people are trying. And I think uh, often what happens is we're also very critical of people who are trying because it's not good enough. But I mm -hmm. would also be critical of people who are not even trying. And I think, uh, you know, especially when it comes to feminism, um, I think, um, um, yeah, I, I, I just forget feminism. I think in general, there's a lot of uh, what we call cancel culture, right? As, mm -hmm. as long as soon as we like, you know, look at something which is not working, then we're like, oh, but you know, this, this, uh, this is wrong, this is bad. And I think, um, uh, so I was giving the example of feminism because I think many people get it wrong, what feminism is. It's about gender equality. And I think there's a, you know, there is a lot of tokenism in the name of feminism. But at the same time, I think uh, we all need to be working together. Uh, there are certain sort of networks of allyship we need to be building. And uh, even though it's not perfect, I mean, I'm a believer in a sort of step-by-step -step change. So like you said, if some people are even pretending to try, for me, that's a step. A lot of people don't agree with me because they're like, hey, if you're pretending to try, I might as well not even try. Um, but um, yeah, uh, I think at, at any level, if you're able to push the envelope, uh, we should try and then. Uh, of course, yeah. because that's how we're going to learn. Like even of whoever tried, right? And let's say it doesn't have to work, it failed, but that's the next person that's going to take the next approach. It's going to learn yeah. from other people's uh, trials. That's only you know, and we encourage Yeah, and we encourage people who are trying and we also tell them, hey, you can do this in a better way, but mm -hmm. you know, kudos, like good job exactly. for trying, right? I mean, we don't have to like really, you know, really celebrate it and say, wow, this is amazing. We can say there is so much scope for improvement, but it's great that you're trying. Yeah. yeah. And also, I think creating a, I don't know, conversation with, with the ones who are in the post of privilege. I mean, okay, the, the, the same way that we don't have access to a specific kind of privileges, they... The people who had access, so many of the people who had access to privileges, it wasn't that it was a choice. So many people just had it because of how the system works. And I think like having this conversation that this is about sharing the privilege, this is about sharing what you have and not we wanting to, I don't know, steal a certain kind of privilege. I think it's also important because I think so much of the fear from making this change uh, comes also that okay if if the women have the privilege also or if the other genders have the privilege also we are going to lose it so creating this mm -hmm. conversation that we we all want to have it it's not that we want to take it from you but we all want to have it it can be also important like to take away that that fear that sometimes might exist in our societies yeah, yeah, and I think those people you should call out if people don't want to share their privilege yeah feel free to call those people out <laughs> We're getting the courage to get there. <laughs> uh, 
So um, I, I'm, I'm going to, I think, wrap up with this uh, question with you uh, that is a bit uh, more also personal to me and Hadil. Uh, and um, I think it, it might be the struggle that maybe so many uh, people, especially young people, are starting uh, to go towards more, let's say, social design or social work might have. And... Uh, I, I hear this, let's say, narrative also from people that are close to me that th they care about me, you know, that from from the utmost love, uh, they they uh, tell me that maybe nonprofit work or social design work, I don't know, it's not a job or you can't uh, improve in it so much. You know, this negative narrative that is about social work, about uh, nonprofit organizations and Sometimes I even hear that it's a waste of talent if you, instead of, I don't know, creating these huge uh, uh, important buildings, you put your time, I don't know, in uh, in uh, investing in, I don't know, low-income communities or the, the real issues that actually exist in the world. So uh, we wanted to ask your ideas about uh, these issues and uh, have you ever had issues like this and have you ever questioned uh, the importance of social work and uh, what you're doing, especially in the power system that we are living today? And uh, do you think it can affect the, the improvement of the work of uh, nonprofit organizations because uh, there is always so much pressure from the society, you know, having these negative uh, ideas about social work? Um, I, I don't know if it's negative as much as I think people think it's unimportant, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I've definitely, uh, you know, faced the same thing. I think everyone does from our friends, our family, you know, leave alone like strangers, you know, people who care about us, you know, they're like, when, you know, when will you get a real job? <laughs> as if like what we're doing is like not a job enough, right? Um, but I think that's okay. People need to learn. And I think somehow we have been lucky enough to have had that exposure or experience, right? That we have been able to critically look at something and say, hey, this is not right. Hey, this is not working, right? And I think maybe they haven't seen it that way, uh, which is fine. But I can I can imagine that it feels lonely. And so that's why it's so important to create these sort of networks of solidarity and understanding, which is, I think, what you're trying to do with your podcast as well, right? And which is what architecture and development does. And really what keeps me going, and I say this uh, a lot of times, but maybe not often enough, is that is the, is the collective that I'm a part of, like the power of collectives is immense. And I draw so much strength from that. Um, so I think anything that I have managed to do, um, I mean, mostly in Delhi, because you know that's, that's where I've been working for the past few years. And I have um, great sort of relationships with people built on a lot of trust. Um, and so everything that uh, we have done um, is, uh, you know, as a part of a collective, as a part of a network, uh, which has um, uh, people from different backgrounds, right? So very few architects. Uh, many times I'm, I'm the only architect in that sort of a group. Um, and so actually, I think I don't interact with architects much, um, as much uh, as I interact with people from, uh, from uh, other fields, because I can't relate, I think, to architecture, even though I feel, I mean, even though I'm an architect and I'm using my architectural training, I am a non-architect or, uh, you know, I'm not, uh, I mean, many times I think uh, not building is important, right? Knowing when to build and knowing when not to build is so important. And so mostly I relate to architects who don't practice architect 
sure um, uh, you know in that way in the mainstream way anymore and of course i relate to a lot of other people from different backgrounds who are working towards the same goal that we are working towards which is housing rights social justice right to the city etc and so i think people who don't understand that i mean i just say it's okay take your time <laughs> but i think meanwhile it's so important for you to uh, create that circle for yourself to create a network for yourself uh, because it really helps you believe further in what you're doing because of course we're all social animals and we need you know need that constant sort of uh, exchange of ideas um so yeah i think there was one there were one or two things uh, um i wanted to say but now i think i've lost my thread but i just want to say that it gets better with time uh, because uh, you know right now you're trying something which uh, which feels very like different um from what any, anyone else is doing and i can imagine it's challenging many people also try to put you down like you know when uh, some people have told me that oh uh, social design is for people who are not good at designing right yeah. because you don't really have to uh, you know think so much about uh, detailing or architectural tectonics and that's not true i think detailing is a very important part of it but i mean that's that's the thing that's the whole sort of you know design um, uh, ego or like the sort of like the um, what do i say design centric approach that we all have right you want to create these uh, um, what are we calling them iconic buildings which which are more about us than anything else but comes from that place so i think people are going to say a lot of things but there are also other people who are going to understand what you're saying and who are going to um um i think also validate that you know agree they agree with you on many things they think like you on many things and at the end of the day what matters is what you uh, can show for it meaning to say what it has led to right so i mean if i see a space where um where children are able to um uh, study better a space where they they find it safer and even like more beautiful um than than um, a space that they've had before or actually haven't had before um or you know i i see uh, maybe in terms of planning or policy some changes which we've been able to bring about after years of work then you know then you feel like okay i'm doing something right but it does take uh, i mean it's like one small win in in a few months or a few years i mean so <laughs> it is challenging yeah i i agree there so i guess keep talking to um, others like yourself but deep down i think you feel like you're doing the right thing and you feel satisfied right and i think that's what's important but i think uh, swati i would like to add to that because i want to uh, get your input on that um and i speak based on my experience or based on what my knowledge is so i come from a country like i i come from lebanon right so lebanon is very governed by policies and politicians and religion and so many factors that people are they don't have control over right so and i i i see that narrative happening a lot if in marginalized communities where when people want to take action and they want to take change they feel that they're limited because of those power dynamics so this there's this narrative that you know don't even waste like this is a waste of time for you to be trying because there's going to be always roadblocks stopping you from moving forward and i guess i don't know if it's all because of the connections and the networks you have but if you if you were to give us an advice for someone that's trying to come up with solutions and ideas and knowing that there's going to be a lot of roadblocks happening through in their journey you know like what would be your words of encouragement or advice on how to tackle situations like this when you're dealing with a system and power dynamics that you it's way more complicated than uh than we think it is 
Um, I think there may be different approaches to this. Um, and I think everyone chooses approach that they're more comfortable with. I think working at a policy level has really made me feel that maybe that can um, really lead to the sort of um, long term and the deeper sort of change that I really think is important. Because, you know, the work that we have been doing, like even the school that we built, um, it's, it's a very sort of, um, uh, you know, quick solution, but it's really like not the root of the problem, right? It's like, okay, you're treating the symptom. Uh, the school was demolished, so you built one, but actually it's a band-aid solution, right? And so over time, what I realized is that uh, we need to be looking at why the farmers are being removed in the first place. And at a policy level, at a planning level, what's happening? And then you realize that, oh, actually there's a riverfront development plan. <clears throat> Um, sorry, uh, there's a riverfront development plan uh, which says that um, uh, parks and jogging tracks and cycling tracks need to be built here instead. And um, and so then you're like, okay, why is that happening? And then you realize there is this whole approach to world-class cities, right, which is happening across the world. And then all the cities are trying to look like each other, where Delhi is trying to look like Dubai, Dubai is trying to look like Tokyo, Tokyo is trying to look like New York. And we're really, you know, heading towards this sort of placeless identity, right? And so then it's really important to look at the bigger picture. And then when I started kind of studying the policies which dictate urban development the different housing policies um and then because we also work with street vendors uh, looking at the street vendor at the street vendor policy then i realized that it's so important um to be also engaging at that level right which is a top-down level um and i think architects also uh, need to be um uh, working there but again it depends on what you would like to um, what is your area of interest uh, as well and um, so in our approach it's a dual approach you know working at a sort of a grassroots level as well as um, at a policy level but maybe your approach might be might be different you realize that maybe i'm more interested in working from a law perspective from a legal perspective right and um, i think um, there was um, again i'm losing my thread a lot today i'm sorry i'm i guess i'm really tired but um, uh, the policy is one um, but 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 da, 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 da. okay i think it will uh, it will come to me later oh yeah okay it is back <laughs> uh, you know, working with civil society. So when you're saying that people feel like they're trapped in this whole, um, uh, you know, system, which doesn't work for them. I feel like there are many people who are trying to change that. And at least in India, the civil society is playing a very important role. In Delhi, especially, I think, um, uh, you know, they're playing um, a huge, huge sort of role where the government is uh, not always uh, very pro-poor. Um, so... Yeah, there I see, you know, lots of models which are working and then I, I try to learn what can be adopted, right? Um, and then maybe you see Lebanon. I mean, there must be things which are working, right, for social change. I'm sure there are some some um, some templates, some approaches which which where you see that, okay, there is positive change. And what can your architectural practice uh, learn from that? Or how can you engage with that is something that maybe you want to figure out. Does, does that make any sense? Does that help at all? It does a lot. Thank you. Thank you for that. Okay, great. And good luck. I can see that, uh, you know, this means a lot to you as well. And right now there are lots of questions, uh, which is good. Um, I, I will say that uh, the questions don't go away with time, but I think they become a bit easier uh, for sure, because, you know, you've answered those questions before and you figured out the answers yourself, right? So then when you are talking to someone in a podcast, <laughs> right, you've already thought about those questions and talked about those questions, had fights on those questions with your friends and, you know, uh, non-friends, and then you've arrived at your own answer and I <laughs> we get the conclusion <laughs> we, we are here just to give the conclusion like the end the end process of our all uh, the questionings or the spirals that goes in our heads <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thank you 
Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. Uh, well, I think the time passed really quickly. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we're coming towards the end of uh, our conversation, actually. Um, but before we uh, uh, end this on a beautiful, like, on beautiful note, is there anything you would like to tell us more about social, like the initiative that you're working on? I know Inishta and um, Anushka they mentioned a couple of the projects that you are working on but if you can tell the listeners you know where can we connect with you how can we find you and any um anything that you'd like to add okay um so we are called social design collaborative and you can find us on different social media platforms we also have a website uh, but i guess uh, what i would like to conclude with is um um what perhaps you might want to do in your own space in your own city um i mean how we started is really uh, because um, you know it just felt like okay things are not really fair uh, you know in our city and especially um, i really love my city i love delhi and then when you you know see um, something which is not uh, just right uh, it's it's unfair it's unequal then you feel like hey, this, I mean, this is my city and it should not be happening here. You want to do some something about it because it's very personal. And I think if you feel the same in your neighborhood, in your community, you know, towards your city, towards any sort of a group or place you are in, um, I would encourage you to do something about it because often that becomes the sort of starting point, right? Um, for a bigger sort of a movement, a bigger practice, a bigger process. And um, even though we are very critical of the government that we work with, we also engage with the planning authorities, also very critical of them. And I think it's great that they also engage with us because uh, I guess that's uh, I mean that's a very open-minded sort of um, uh, approach that many officials um, have um, um, again losing my thread oh my god <laughs> you know it's almost um, seven at your end so yeah, you know, yeah. No, that's, I, I still have a long way to go by the I'm working till late um, oh, my team sorry. is left <laughs> um, but what I was saying is that um, yeah so often yeah I was talking about being critical of the government because um, you know often we feel that hey this is not wrong and this is what they should be doing this is what should happen and sometimes if you try to find the solution yourself in whatever little way you can um, a you don't feel very helpless because you're doing something about it and b actually maybe you start something which can actually go on to become a model or a pilot or a small project which others can learn from and you know as soon as people see something which is good something which is helpful people join because I think at the root of uh, us and I'm going to become a bit sentimental here that the root of humanity is the urge to help each other really because survival depends on it Right? If we want to survive, we have to help you know, each other. And so when you see something where something good is happening to help others, people join. And before you know it, it becomes something. Before you know it, maybe even the planning authorities want to pick it up or talk to you to figure out how you did it. Um, so wherever you are, I think just take up something. If you see something you don't agree with, do something about it. And I think that's how Social Design Collaborators started. Yeah. Love it. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Really, even even though you have to, you have still a lot of hours to work now. So thank you so much for being with us and giving you us your time. So have a great rest of the night and have a great work. And thanks again. See you. Okay, man. Yeah. Good night and good luck with your with your initiatives. Thank you. For sure. Bye. 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 Bye.